0: Shalom and welcome to think Jewish where we join together to explore divine keys for a better life Our Torah portion this week begins with it came to pass when Pharaoh sent the people The tone here is that Pharaoh sent the Jewish people forcefully from his land with an attitude of dominance We know this was the case as the verse itself testifies so. Pharaoh, for with a mighty hand he will send them out and with a mighty hand he will drive them out of his land. Rashi, Rab Shlomo Yitzchaki, the classic commentator, defines for us clearly the dominance with which Pharaoh sent the Jewish people from Egypt explaining the effect that it had on the Jewish people. I quote to you Rashi and with a mighty hand, he will drive them out of his land against Israel's will. He will drive them out and they will not have time to make provisions for themselves. And so he says, God says, and the Egyptians pressed the people strongly. Thus, the question begs to be asked, what dominance did Pharaoh have over the Jewish people at this point? after the templates completely broke king pharaoh and egypt if moses was to tell pharaoh that the jewish people needed time to prepare food for the way could pharaoh have stopped moses and the jewish people of leaving how they wanted and when they wanted yet the verse seems to tell us that pharaoh was still in control to forcefully send the jewish people out of egypt With them being unprepared and unwilling to go yet. Let us explore this concept. Our Torah portion goes on to tell us that, and the children of Israel were chamushim when they went up out of Egypt. That word chamushim. Rashi defines the word chamushim to mean one of two interpretations. One interpretation is armed simply armed with artillery. The Jewish people knew that they would face wars and therefore they left Egypt with arms and ammunition. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation that Rashi gives us on the word chamushim is and I'm going to quote it to you. Another interpretation chamushim means divided by five. Meaning that one out of five the word five in Hebrew is chamisha one out of five Israelites went out and four-fifths died during the three days of darkness That's the second interpretation of "chamushim." our sages state that even the one-fifth that did leave Egypt really wanted to stay in Egypt Why and how? Could the Jewish people, after all those years of persecution and slavery, want to stay in Egypt? One last question, which is a general question, is why can evil dominate over goodness? You probably heard the joke that the story of all Jewish holidays is, they wanted to kill us, God saved us, so let's eat. The part of the holiday that is, and God saved us, entails miracles. Which means, without miracles, evil can dominate, persecute, and even annihilate goodness. Why is it so? Beyond the why, let us ask, how can it be so? To understand this, we are going to have to face one of the greatest challenges of Kabbalah. The Kabbalah paradigm is based upon the unity of God in which the words God is one, that's the closing of the Shema Yisrael, hero Israel, God is our God, God is one. The words God is one, according to Kabbalah, means that everything is God and God is everything with a complete oneness and unity. With this being so, how can evil exist? The reason for evil existing, so that there is freedom of choice, explains why God created evil. However, it does not explain how is it possible for evil to be with God being everything and everything being God with absolute oneness. God is good. What we are about to discuss my friends, demands a total open mind without prejudice. It demands open-mindedness to what seems to be a heresy to our set paradigm of good and evil and to our set paradigm of God being of only goodness as we morally perceive goodness to be so we're gonna have to step out of how we morally perceive goodness to be and God being of only goodness let's explore The reason why we have a set paradigm of good and evil and a set paradigm of God only embracing good as we perceive it to be good is because we are of the linear realm of tikkun. Tikkun means translated correction, orderliness, in which there is a clear right side and left side, top and bottom, right and wrong. That is the paradigm of the linear realm of Tikkun. However, above and before the existence of the linear realm of Tikkun, there exists a circular realm of Tohu. Tohu is defined as chaos, and I want to add on the definition of infinite expressions. We'll soon see. In the circular world, there is no right or left, there is no top or bottom, and thus there is no set definition of good being closer than evil. Actually, in the realm of the Infinite Circular Tohu, quite the contrary becomes true. The Holy Soa states that the peel created before the fruit in Kabbalah the peel refers to evil as it covers the light of God within it that's the concept of a peel therefore what the Zohar is telling us is that the peel of evil comes before from a higher source than the fruit of goodness this is based upon what we were saying that the fruit of goodness comes from the linear tikkun while evil can only come from the infinite circular realm of tohu. The linear could not evolve into evil nor could it nurture evil. It has a clear description of what is good and only good is godly. The paradigm of good and evil and their perspective positions in creation is set within the linear realm of Tikkun Good can exist and can nurture from God and evil can't It's that simple in our paradigm However, from the infinite circular realm of Tohu, chaos evil can exist and can be nurtured Why? For the infinite circular light has no definition and relates not to any definition of its recipient thus what we are saying here is in its spiritual source of infinite divinity evil is greater than goodness for goodness comes from the finite linear light while evil comes from the infinite circular light The infinite expression of light within the infinite circular realm of chaos was too great for its vessels. And thus we are taught that the vessels of Tohu shattered and its fragments fell into the finite linear realm of Tikkun as the 248 fallen sparks. So I just want to take a moment to explain what we're saying here this Kabbalistic teaching of the shattered Tohu and its fallen sparks into Tikkun because in the world of Tohu circular there is no top there is no bottom there is no beginning there is no end so every single one of the attributes all the emanations had infinite expression of light kindness was infinite kindness Strictness was infinite strictness. Now the vessel, even the vessels of Tohu, a vessel has a finite capacity of receiving. And thus, under the force of the infinite expression of light, the vessels of Tohu, of chaos, shattered. Those pieces that shattered they are what we refer to as the 248 fallen sparks the godly sparks that fell into our physical world of tikkun these fragments of chaos express themselves within the objects of pleasure passion anger our service of correction is to shed the shell to peel the peel around the spark and to then Elevate the spark through selfless service of holiness to God. For example, when we eat meat, kosher meat, we can either lower ourselves into the domain of the animal with our entire excitement being about the tender, juicy flavor of the meat or we can elevate the meat into the realm of the human by making a blessing over the food and extinguishing the passion and excitement of our taste buds, and focus rather on the energy we receive from the food, and then our using this energy to serve God with mitzvot observance and Torah study. What then happens is that our mitzvah observance and Torah study elevate the spark of tohu from its fallen state of being imprisoned within the peel of selfish passion and desire and to internalize its spiritual powers into our selfless service of tikkun so we now understand what the kabbalistic picture of tikkun olam is all about tikkun olam is to find Those fallen sparks of Tohu, chaos, that clothe themselves into all the physical objects and experiences of egocentric, selfish pleasure, selfish passion, selfish anger. And when we find those sparks which are closed within that egocentric, that selfish evil peel, of it's all about me, I. And then the tikkun part is to go ahead and stop the selfishness from happening and then by that breaking that peel of evil around the fallen godly spark and then focus on the goodness with the energy of that godly spark. So when I'm eating meat like a mensch And I'm making a blessing and I'm making sure to elevate the meat of the animal to become part of my human existence rather than lowering my human existence into the passion, pleasure of the animal. When I elevate that and I use that energy to do goodness, then that food that gave me the energy becomes part and parcel of the goodness I do which elevates the godly spark that was locked into that piece of meat. This process of tikkun correction of the fallen sparks of Tohu can apply only to the lower plane of sparks that fell into kosher, mundane, physical objects of tikkun. So we were talking about the spark that fell into kosher food. However, There is a rule in Kabbalah that says all that is higher falls lower. And therefore the highest spark of the realm of the infinite circular Tohu fell not into the kosher mundane but into the impure non-kosher objects of Tikkun. More so, the highest of all sparks of Tohu has fallen into the darkest evil that now exists within Tikkun. Thus, now let's go back to our story of Pharaoh. Thus Pharaoh, the epitome of evil, arrogance, and immorality of his times, was in essence, according to what we just said, he was in essence the highest spark of the infinite circular light, which had fallen into the deepest, darkest, and cruelest evil upon the earth of Tikkun. The Holy Zohar defines the word Pharaoh to come from the word isparihun, which means comes forth. What does that mean? It explains the Kabbalah, the Zohar explains that Pharaoh in its spiritual source was, I quote to you the words of Kabbalah, which is Aramaic, not Hebrew. Mine ispariun kol Mine Nehurin translated from him comes forth all forms of light this means that the source of Pharaoh was the ultimate infinite circular essence above and beyond the definition of any linear form of light from which comes forth all forms of light thus this great infinite dimension beyond any definition at all of top and bottom, good or evil. I want to add on here, not just good or evil, but revelation or concealment, light or darkness. We're talking about the source, not the light. Was capable of descending into our world as the ultimate evil. For any and every description is of naught to this infinite circular essence, and thus anything and everything can equally nurture from this circular essence even the dark and cruel Pharaoh who would slaughter children and bathe in their blood. Let us see the outcome of what we are saying from a different angle. On a spiritual level where everything is God and God is everything and all is of spiritual holiness The source of what manifests itself as evil within our world is far greater than the source of what manifests itself as goodness within our world. The source of goodness is the lower finite linear light while the source of evil is the infinite circular light. Okay, the first implication of this is that the service of elevating the fallen sparks offers us creatures of the finite linear tikkun an experience of absorbing the infinite circular Tohu. This is why this is an important teaching here this is why according to Kabbalah and Hasidus the spirituality of abstinence from physical and worldly involvement is not as great as the spirituality of engaging with the physical and worldly involvement for service to God. Through our abstinence we're only going to grow in our finite linear light. But when we're willing to engage the physical and worldly involvement where the holy fallen sparks of the circular, the infinite, exist then we will experience absorbing this infinite circular tohu into our being this is one of the kabbalistic teachings upon our opening verse which we spoke from our torah portion it came to pass when pharaoh sent the people let's take back a moment Set back a moment and and hear now from all we've just experienced and discovered what this means the Hebrew word for the people, it came to pass when Pharaoh sent the people, that in Hebrew is one word called Ha'am, can also be defined as with the people. Okay? So now we're seeing that it came to pass when Pharaoh sent with the people. Our sages actually explained this to mean that Pharaoh sent along the with the Jewish people. Tree branches. What does that mean? It is defined by Kabbalah that once the evil peel of Pharaoh was broken by the pl- ten plagues and all the miracles that took place in Egypt, then Pharaoh sent. Now this Pharaoh, which he was, the evilness was broken. Sent, which means he empowered the Jewish people of Tikkun. With the holy, infinite, circular sparks of Tohu that the Jewish people elevated throughout all their years of living and serving God in Egypt. Wow, what a total different perspective of this verse. It came to pass when Pharaoh, the now purified, circular, infinite light, he sent with the people, with the Jewish people, he sent with them the Sparks those fallen circular infinite sparks of tohu that the jewish people spent there for 210 years Elevating he sent it with them when they left egypt Now with this new insight we can return to our first two opening questions a How was pharaoh still dominating the jewish people and forcefully sending them out of egypt? the second question B why did the jewish people want to stay in egypt the meaning to the word mitzrayim mitzrayim is egypt in hebrew what does the word mitzrayim mean it comes from the word Metzar, which means constraints constraints and limitations on the lower level this refers to the persecution and bondage of evil upon goodness constraints and limitations however in the higher level This refers to the constraints and limitations of holiness within the godly soul. So how can there exist constraints and limitations within the godly soul? Being that the godly soul is of the linear tikkun realm therefore it serves God within the limitations and paradigm of tikkun orderliness. Here we are not talking of the constraints and limitations that our evil inclinations tries to place upon us however We are still talking of the limitations of a rational service and relationship with God our soul being of the tikkun orderliness genetically is confined within the limitations of a rational, orderly, rational, logical service and a rational, logical relationship with God. Thus the Jewish people, on a level of holy and logical limitations, declared that now that the evil peel of Egypt has been broken, let us stay here in the safety of a civilization and set up here in this purified egypt synagogues and yeshivas and let us stay here and serve god rather than to go into the barren desert filled with poisonous scorpions and snakes (coughs) excuse me the barren desert and the poisonous scorpions and snakes that inhabit the barren desert we're talking here of the sinai desert exists also on the spiritual plane and represents a spiritual barrenness and a spiritual poisonous danger thus in the spirit of holy rational limitations of the jewish people they wanted to stay in the safety of an elevated egypt and serve god in peace and tranquility this is the paradigm of the finite linear tikkun mitzrayim not the suffering but the logical relationship we have with God. Let's stay in a civilization that now has been purified and will allow us to safely set up a Jewish community, a Torah observant Jewish life. This is why the infinite circular Pharaoh, whose peel was now broken and who was now elevated to his infinite spiritual source had to forcefully send the finite, linear Jewish people out of their rational, limited Mitzrayim, Egypt into the barren and dangerous desert. The prophet speaks in the name of God concerning God's reaction to the Jewish people following him blindly into the barren and dangerous desert. Remember, the story of matzah. We couldn't even prepare food. We went just blindly into the desert. This is what Jeremiah has to say about this. So that the Lord, so said, I'm sorry, so said the Lord, I remember to you the loving kindness of your youth, the love of your nuptials. your following me into the desert in a land not sown. The finite linear Tikkunju on his own accord could not embrace this. It was only once the evil peel of Pharaoh was broken and Pharaoh the enemy was transformed into the holy infinite circular Tohu light that Pharaoh then empowered the Tikkunju by arousing within the Tikkunju the infinite illogical loving-kindness faith of their youth to leave the logical, limited spirituality of serving God only within the safe confines of a purified Egypt as Pharaoh forcefully pushed the Jewish people deeper into themselves, into their infinite relationship and faith in God to follow God into the uncharted, barren and dangerous desert And to transform it by building a tabernacle for God and by setting up right there in that barren desert a holy Torah observant camp of 600,000 men strong so now we understand the opening questions we understand why it happened Pharaoh had dominance because the Jewish people were still only stuck within their relationship of finite, rational, logic, linear tikkun. Pharaoh, now that he was purified, his evil broken, the spark within him, that circular essence, the isparihun, now that that was available, that empowered the Jews, forcefully taking them out of their finite logical capacity of tikkun into the infinite circular capacity of having a relationship with God and into the barren desert transforming it into a dwelling place of divinity with this we will understand another story in our Torah portion of the week The Torah tells us a story that happened right after the miracle of the splitting of the sea. Let's read the story. They came to Marah, but they could not drink water from Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. Maybe you recognize the word Marah from your Passover Seder. Maror, the bitter herbs. Marah means bitter. The people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he, Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord instructed him concerning a piece of wood which he cast into the water and the water became sweet that's what the verse tells us doesn't tell us what wood it just says that God con- instructed Moses about a piece of wood that Moses was to cast that into the water and then the water became sweet well the sages the Medrash. It wants to know what wood. And it finds out what piece of wood. The Medrash explains which wood it was that God instructed Moses to cast into the water, which made the bitter water sweet. The wood was called hardofni. Now, when I looked up what Hardophni is in English, I actually found out that commentary says say it's at the Oleander. The oleander is a bitter wood, and it, and I'm quoting from Wikipedia, it is toxic in all its parts. Wow. (laughs) Nevertheless, it is precisely through this bitter wood, which is toxic in all its parts, that made the undrinkable waters sweet and drinkable. The explanation to this is in lieu with what we discussed. There is the elevation and correction that takes place by introducing a revelation of light. This revelation of light causes correction within a situation. We're talking about divine light. Divine light corrects things. However, the revelation of light is from the finite linear tikkun. Ah. The deeper and greater elevation and correction of a negative situation takes place through transforming the negative situation within itself. The reason why a negative situation in itself can transform is because in its source all evil comes from the infinite circular Tohu pure spirituality. Therefore, by transforming the evil within itself we bring about a far greater correction and a far greater elevation of the negative situation. By introducing into the world of Tikkun the infinite circular light of Tohu. This is what God was directing Moses to do with the bitter waters. Rather than draw a revelation of finite linear light into, situa- into the situation. Which would then bring with it a correction. And turn the waters semi-sweet. Let us better transform the bitterness within itself. Use the oleander. The bitter wood with toxic and all its parts and thus you will have created an infinite circular experience just as what happened when we transformed pharaoh and pharaoh empowered us then with an infinite circular experience not only being able to serve god in the protected civiliz- of civilization of a purified egypt but we were able to go out into the barren and dangerous Sinai desert and there be able to serve God on a total higher level of transformation the circular infinite transformation. In closing the practical implication of this teaching and especially in such dark and scary times throughout the world and is that as Jewish people it is our job To be a light unto the nations. Now, we can do this through isolating ourselves from the world and immersing ourselves completely into our spiritual growth and Torah learning. However, then we would have only succeeded in being a finite linear light unto the nations. And this is not enough. We must also engage with society and transform the mind and hearts of the human race from an egocentric chaos of fear and confusion to a selfless peace of security and clarity. We must engage with the world and teach of the compassionate and loving God who loves all of His creations and seeks a relationship with each and every person through faith, tolerance and and caring so my friends one should always remember that while the early bird gets the worm the early worm gets eaten therefore always live within your higher consciousness